Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on this introductory episode of our latest podcast, Making the Game. I'm your host, Reese Robbins, sometimes called Reesius on the internet. And in this podcast, we will be discussing the journey that my team and I have been on in bringing our first board game from concept to life. Our game is called Bletheron, the Tower of Sacrifice, and it is coming to Kickstarter on January 18th, 2024. So the purpose of this podcast is to discuss all the different steps trials and tribulations that we went through on this journey and basically to give an insider's point of view on what it's like of going from gamer to game designer. If you're anything like me, you've thought about making your own game at least once. You've been playing a game and thought you could do it better or maybe differently or you have an idea that you think would make for a great game and you're just not sure where to start. Well, I wasn't either. And this is my the document of a process that we took in getting from there to hear. I don't plan on holding anything back. I want to provide a lot of useful information as I wish I would have had a resource like this when we started. We could have saved a lot of time, energy, and money knowing certain things before we jumped in. So that's the purpose of this podcast. Hopefully you join us on this journey and find the information to be useful. And let me tell you a little bit about myself and our company before we go any further, just so you understand where we're coming from. So as mentioned, my name is Reese. I've been gaming since the 80s, got, got my start with games like Battletech, Dungeons and Dragons, things of that nature, and been an avid gamer ever since, both digital and analog. Kind of made our, my name in the gaming industry through writing about, playing, and eventually starting a company centered around tabletop miniatures games, specifically Warhammer 40k. Our company was founded in 2011, Frontline Gaming, and we do a wide variety of things in the tabletop gaming vertical. We provide services such as miniature painting. Uh, We run large events all around the country. The biggest is the Las Vegas Open, which occurs in January in obviously Las Vegas. We also sell products and we got into manufacturing products as well. We develop products such as our very popular FLG mats. We actually launched that via Kickstarter way back when in the early days of Kickstarter. So we did have some experience with that. We also got into manufacturing with laser cutting, uh, printing of all different natures, and we've we've gotten quite a bit of experience in that realm, which obviously gives us an advantage going into this process of making a game. Uh, Not everybody's gonna have access to that kind of experience, but it it was certainly helpful, and it helped us get our feet on solid ground coming into this. We also founded and ran what is known as the ITC, the International Tournament Circuit, which was an organizational body that gave guidance to and helped to organize players from all around the world of games like Warhammer 40,000, Age of Sigmar, and several others. The ITC gave guidance for and instruction on how to grow the organized play scene with those various games. It was highly effective. We had over 50,000 participants um, in the last season, and it really helped to put my company's name on the map, but also it gave us just a ton of experience on how to do something like that. Like, how do players want to engage with a game, hopefully your game, in that manner? Like getting people to go to events, go to their local game store and play, play at home, how to have rankings, how to do all that sort of stuff. You know, we had an international leaderboard and so much more. I mean, that that would be the topic of an entire podcast itself. It was a really, really big undertaking and something that we're really proud of, something that was very difficult to do. 
We also have some experience in assisting with app development. Now, my company is not a software developer, although we do now have software developers on payroll. But we started out with no money, no experience, no knowledge, and learned how to, to work with other people, other developers, to create software that would make it easier for people to come together, play the game, to function as a game aid as we go into this modern age of tabletop gaming that is becoming more and more of a blend of digital and analog. I think that experience will also be very helpful for people who are curious about that aspect of game development. So what is Blood Throne? What is our game? Blood Throne is a tactical RPG board game that's set in a dark fantasy world called Chael. So think of a game like Gloomhaven, Descent, or a similar type of board game that you may have already heard of. Casually, we tell people that it's similar to D&D mixed with XCOM, if you're familiar with either one of those games. Now, when you're marketing your game, one of the biggest tips we got was don't compare your game to another game. You have to describe it in a way that it will stand on its own two feet. But as this podcast is more instructional and conversational, I figured I would do the cheat code and just explain it by comparing it to other games. So it's like D&D in that it is a high fantasy setting. Uh, it has a lot of elements that are familiar to you if you've played any you know, high fantasy RPGs. It's a class-based game, meaning you have things like fighters and wizards and clerks. In the starter box, we have pre-made characters to make it easy for people to open the game and start playing. However, and one of the things that took the longest in the, de the development process is that we have fully fleshed out rules for creating your own heroes from the ground up. Like things like class, race, equipment, assigning stat points, all of that sort of stuff that would be familiar to you if you ever played a, an RPG before, that's all baked into the game. And that will be fully explored in the expansion which will be available in the Kickstarter, which we decided to separate because we figured there would be a large market of people that wanted a game that could open up and start playing. It has a lot of uh, crunchy mechanics to make it uh, fun and give it a lot of depth, but that extra level of going even deeper into it where you can customize your own party, you know, if you have some cool miniatures you want to use, you can do that. That is in a separate book so that we can fully explore it. Um, and that expansion product will also do a deep dive into the lore and have all kinds of fun stuff like making your own monsters and much, much more. It's a really, really cool expansion. And it's like XCOM, which is a really popular video game if you haven't heard of it, in that you manage a team of fantasy characters. We call it a party, which is a, a traditional term in fantasy RPGs. And you pick from your party whichever heroes you think will best suit the task at hand out the gates the game will be delivered in a board game that is the subtitle the tower of sacrifice as that is the focus of the board game you are sieging the tower of sacrifice in the lore of the game which is quite extensive the world is on the precipice this as i explained to people when i was bringing them in it's like the assault on the death star in the first star wars so it's a do or die scenario and the stakes are very high the campaign is narratively linked meaning we wrote a story that unfolds as you play the game. Each one of these heroes comes from a different part of the world. The world has largely been devastated in what we call the Throne Wars, which in the backstory is basically the fall of civilization. 
The gods are dead. The primary villain in the game, his name is Lord Akrathil, who was on his way to filling that void, becoming the next god of the world, Cheol has mysteriously vanished. In his absence, there has been a struggle for power, and his primary lieutenant, his sort of right-hand man, Belfagor, who is the, the primary antagonist of the game, he's making his shot at sitting on the blood throne. The blood throne is the gateway to godhood in our world, and that's what everybody in the game has come together, forming what is called the Last Accord, to try and prevent from happening. So that's the setting, right? And from there, you play the game in two phases. 30,000 feet above the strategic level of the game, you manage the siege camp of the Last Accord, where you gather and allocate resources building up your siege camp. You have things like a barracks and uh, uh, walls to go around your camp and a merchant stall that you build as you go, and they unlock different parts of the game, like buying and selling items, being able to build new weapons, train your fighters, etc. So on the strategic level, that's sort of like the big picture. You have a big map. You choose scenarios that are available to you. They become available as you go through the game. And then when you choose a scenario, you then drill down into the tactical level of the game. In the tactical level of the game, you select heroes from those that are available. And what I mean by that is a hero that gets hurt in one game is unavailable in the next because they have to rest and recuperate. A hero that participates in too many scenarios in a row will become fatigued. You need to give them time to rest. Or you might have a crisis pop up and you have to send one of your heroes to deal with it. So you don't usually have access to your full roster of 12 heroes. You have to pick from those that are available. From there, once you've selected your scenario, you then pick six of your heroes that you think would be the best suited to the mission. It's a turn-based tactical RPG, meaning that every character, uh, hero, or monster on the tabletop will activate in initiative order. Initiative is determined by the equipment that your character or monster has. The more and heavier the equipment, the slower they go. They each have two actions, similar to uh, games like D&D or Pathfinder. And then from there, you have a wide variety of actions. There are actions that are available to everybody, such as move or attack. And then there are special actions that are, that are signature moves for each individual class or monster type. Things like firing a fireball if you're a wizard, for example. Each scenario has a set number of turns. And within that, you have to achieve your primary objective. If you do not, you lose. There are also secondary objectives, which, which give you further opportunities to get loot and experience. And of course, there are the monsters which are trying to defeat your heroes. The monsters run on what I think is a pretty innovative AI system. Of course, my opinion is, is somewhat biased as I wrote it, but the monsters run themselves more or less. Obviously, a human being so has to move them around and read the instructions, but it's, it's a lot of fun. In similar games, you see card-based AI where you draw a card and that tells you what to do. In ours, it's, uh, it's different. It's uh, algorithmically based. Basically, you go through a flow chart. It's a series of uh, yes, no questions. And the result is that the monsters interact with each other and they try to attack you in a way that is at least somewhat intelligent. Right? It'll never be as smart as a, a human player playing them. I guess it depends on the human that's playing them. Um, but the idea is that it gives you a more realistic uh, experience, similar to what you would get in a video game. From there, you have to record if you win or lose, you know, allocate experience, possibly level up, make the choices associated with that. 
And as you progress through the game, you can only play each scenario one time. So you fail forward. However, there is a death clock, so to speak, or a, a timer. It's the primary metric for determining if you win or lose the campaign. If that clock hits zero, Belfagor's reinforcements show up and they wipe out your siege camp so that the, the army of the last accord and everything you've been working for is, is gone. The other lose condition is that would be a lose condition is if your morale goes too low. If your morale hits zero, the army of the last accord loses hope and they scatter. Now the win condition, the win condition is if you defeat Belfagor. That's it. You got to make your way to the big guy. You got to find a way inside of the Tower of Sacrifice, which is where he's running his operations from. And then you have to fight him and defeat him. It is an all or nothing campaign. So that, that, that's kind of in a nutshell the way the game plays, right? Obviously, if you win missions, you gain more morale and you have opportunities to add time onto the reinforcement clock so that you can hold off Belfagor's reinforcements. Those are key missions. They're harder and they pop up as you go through the game. And you those are missions that if you lose a couple of them, you will lose the campaign. So that, that's, a, that's kind of the way the game works in a nutshell. Hopefully it gives you an idea. Obviously, we'll dive deeper into it as we go. But that's just to give you kind of an idea of what's going on with Blood Throne. Outside of the PvE or player versus environment cooperative campaign that I just described, we also have fully fleshed out rules for PvP or player versus player uh, or competitive play as well. That will be fully explored in the expansion, which I mentioned earlier. And that's a really exciting part of the game and a big contributor to why it took so long to develop as balancing a game where you can custom build your own characters is obviously very daunting. We'll talk about that in length as we go through this process with this podcast, but suffice it to say that the end result is it's super, super fun, super fulfilling to be able to create your own party of fantasy characters the way you want them. You know, like instead of the Ajax, the fighter in the box game, who's super cool, you're like, instead of a big, strong guy with a, a sword and a shield, I want a dwarf fighter with an axe and a light shield and he doesn't wear any armor or whatever. The, the possibilities are endless. And we'll, we'll go more into that as we go. But it's a super cool, super unique part of the game that I think that the real gamery gamers out there are going to just love. Now, on top of that, on top of the mechanical aspect of it, we have a really deep and rich lore working with some really talented writers, which I'll explain how do you find writers to help you with this sort of a thing if that's not your forte. And also, and one of the things we're most proud of is that the game's really beautiful. We have some absolutely stellar miniatures we paired up with Creature Caster. They're a very well-known, very, very high-end miniature designer. So I'm confident that our game will have some of the best-looking minis on the market. Uh, they all come pre-assembled so that you don't have to worry about putting them together. You can just open the box, pull out the terrain and the mat and all the various gaming components, the tokens, the cards, and all that fun stuff, and get right into it. So we'll discuss all of these things, right? How do you make the tokens? How do you design those? You know, what kind of materials should they be on? How'd you make the terrain? Ours is pop-up terrain, which is particularly complex. However, it also is much, much, much easier for the end user to just pull it out of the box, push it into shape, and go. How do you find a sculptor if you're not one? Um, how do you find a manufacturer for your game if you're not capable of doing that yourself, which almost nobody is? So in regards to where we're at in the development process, the game is basically done. 
We've got all the sculpts sculpted. We have almost all of the physical components designed. We just have a few outliers left. And then of course we're going through the revision process to make sure it looks good. We've thoroughly play tested the game many, 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 many times. We played weekly for years and we're almost done or we're in the process of getting the molds sculpted and all the physical components getting ready to go into what, what's called getting the, the cut sheets or the die lines created for manufacturing things like cards and, and, and all those various physical components. We're gearing up to launch the Kickstarter on January 18th. So we're in the middle of working through all that. Develop, you know, we have a fully fledged marketing plan and we're seeing that work in real time. You'll get to hear my feedback on that as it's happening. So we're, re we're really deep into the process. The, the Kickstarter campaign for us is less a means to fund the game, but more of like a pre-order system, which to be honest, most of the successful Kickstarter board games these days, that's exactly what it is. So when the Kickstarter is done, we'll begin production really quickly afterwards. My hope is within like six weeks of the, the end of the Kickstarter, we're actually making the game. So if everything goes according to plan, we'll have the game in the hands of the customer in the same year that the Kickstarter runs, which is extremely rare in the Kickstarter world. Of course, I don't want to overcommit to anything. I'm not you know, offering that as a guarantee because things could pop up. But so far, we've managed to stay pretty dang close to our projection and our schedule. So we're, we're really close to getting this done. Now, I mentioned all that just so that you understand that we're not talking from a position of just theory. We really have already done a lot of it or we are in the midst of doing it as I record this. We're going to dive into all those questions, hopefully answer them for you and do it in a way that's informative and fun. And not, that doesn't take too long. My objective with this podcast is for it to have a pretty low runtime. I think some of the topics that are more involved, it'll go a little bit longer. But I'm hoping to land within that 15 to 30 minute range to make it easy to listen to on a commute, maybe when you're at the gym, or whenever you have a couple of minutes extra. I plan to put one of these out weekly, and we're going to cover a wide variety of topics. Obviously, it's a really big topic. I mean, it's taken us... We're in year, almost year six of the development process now, and I'll talk further about this as we go. The early years were me working on nights and weekends, so it wasn't full time until year three. Uh, but it's been a long process of learning just all the various things that you have to do, and then finding people that can perform the different uh, tasks that have the skill sets that are reliable. How do you communicate with these people? How do you pay them? Uh, how do you keep them motivated? It, those are all, you know, fairly complicated topics and it's a lot of ground to cover, but that's the purpose of the podcast. So if you would like to learn more, if you'd like to learn more about our game, I hope you continue to join us. If you have any feedback uh, on topics you'd like to hear first or ways I could improve, it's been a, a while since I was on a podcast. Used to do it all the time, but um, I've taken a little bit of a sabbatical here. Please communicate with us over at frontlinegaming.org. Uh, the podcast will be posted there and then on various social media platforms. I'll keep my eye on any comments for questions, things of that nature, so that I can make sure to give you the, the content that you're hoping to get. To learn more about Blood Throne, please go to bloodthrone.org. And you can see the informational site. Obviously, it's in a very nascent stage. But there you can sign up for the newsletter where you'll be alerted as new reveals come out. And also you could 
find our Kickstarter pre-launch page where if you hit the notify me on launch, we'd really appreciate that. Helps you to stay looped in. You can also navigate your way to our Blood Throne game official Facebook group where we are discussing everything that's going on. I'm in there answering questions, etc. So hopefully we'll see you in those various social media locations so that we can continue the conversation. So thank you so much for joining me on this inaugural Making the Game podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And I look forward to diving into this extremely interesting topic, one which we have learned the ins and outs of, although we still have tons more to learn, but we've gotten this far. So I hope to hear from you and I hope you join us on this journey. I can't wait to talk more about our game and help give you all the tools you need to potentially make your own.